Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, I'm Desi Jenikin. Hey, Des. Hey. What's up? It's hot. It's a little <laughs> sticky. It's a, it's a little sticky today. It's good for our dead, final Deadwood, because it's probably hot there. Tombstone. In Arizona, in Arizona. I'm sorry, not Deadwood. Tombstone. By the way, Deadwood is a real place. Honestly, like when you asked that, I was like 90% sure, but I was like, I cannot, I cannot take that hard stand because I'm not really sure. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I like all these metal sounding Old West towns. That these, yeah. these guys decided upon. Um, I'm excited because that means we can do some Deadwood episodes at some point. Yeah. Because then we got some other people like Calamity Jane, Wild Bill Hickok. Hickok. Are they in the show Deadwood? Yeah. Wild Bill Hickok? Mm-hmm. He's played by um, Keith Carradine. Oh. Well, I mentioned him briefly at the end of this episode. Wild Bill? Yeah. I mean, he's right up there. He's <laughs> those famous cowboys we all know are <laughs> <laughs> Western figures. So where we last left off, Desi, where did we last leave off? Well, it's after the OK Corral, which is actually the little lot outside the OK Corral. <laughs> <laughs> we had that battle. We had that battle and the boys, the Earps, they did not get like... They were found innocent or they weren't charged. The charges were dropped. Right. So, but now people are mad. People are mad, especially the cowboys and the ranchers, mm. because they're like, you excuse me, assholes. you killed all our dudes. Yeah. And you're just running around here. But the herb boys are like kind of laying a little bit low in town. They're still staying in Tombstone. They're like holding up at the Cosmopolitan Hotel. But that one wimpy guy didn't die, right? Ike? Ike Clanton? Yeah. The the boozer and the user? He's the one who hid. He hid in the office building and he's still, he's the only one who's alive from the shootout. But he's probably madder than ever. He's super mad. Anyway... That's where we last left off. This is part four, the final chapter. I mean it this time. Mm. And as always, my source for this episode is a book called The Last Gunfight, The Real Story of the Shootout at the OK Corral and How It Changed the American West by Jeff Gwynn. Great book. On December 28th, 1881, Virgil left the Oriental Saloon after a night of gambling. As he neared the Cosmopolitan, he was shot. <gasps> the blast from the shotgun sent pellets into his back, his arm, and his thigh. Mm. Wyatt ran out of the Oriental when he heard the gunfire and helped his older brother back to the hotel where a doctor treated him. The doctors wanted to amputate <gasps> Virgil's arm, but he was like, no, I refuse, do something else. So instead they removed a bunch of bone which essentially rendered that arm useless anyway. That's like in the days where you had to drink some whiskey and bite down on a horse clamp. You're like a wallet or, like, or yeah. a belt. 
I like in the, those days, it's like, let's amputate. That was like our number one option. <laughs> like, People, I mean, I'm super interested in like the history of surgery because it dates back to like thousands of years ago. Oh, it's... Which I, is crazy to me. It makes me faint sometimes reading those stories. Did you ever see that show, The Nick? Yes. I <laughs> That first episode, I only watched the first episode. I maybe I should watch the whole season, but I was like gonna barf. You need to be on morphine to watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like a few years after Tombstone. That's like nineteen hundred or something. Yeah, or it like, kind of like looks more modern than the Western days, but it's not really. Uh, no, but people were straight up drinking whiskey and biting down on leather straps. No, we should just do a whole other podcast on old medical things because I would listen to that. We need to find a Hollywood angle. I love old medical. I do too. And I like weird treatments. It's so it's fascinating. So interesting. So Virgil would not let them amputate. They did remove a bunch of his bones. <sighs> the most obvious conclusion is that Virgil was shot by cowboys, possibly Ike Clanton or Curly Bill Brocious. Wyatt was hell-bent on avenging his brother. He sent a telegram to U.S. Marshal Collie Dake to send help and ask to be appointed U.S. Deputy Marshal. He's like, I need you to appoint me Deputy Marshal so that I can like legally do something, hunt these guys down. I mean, isn't it better to do it illegally in a way? <laughs> so you don't have to like be beholden. And it's not like Wyatt Earp has ever let the law get in his way before. Maybe he gets more backup or weapons. He wanted... He wanted a team. He yeah. wanted, yeah, he definitely wanted that. He then assembled his own posse because mm. this U.S. Marshal said, yeah, okay, we'll deputize you. Um, he assembled his own posse of men to get these cowboys. His posse included his brother Morgan, Doc Holliday, and some other guys. These were men who had outlaw experience but not lawman experience. So he, he put some outlaws in his posse. Nice. These guys included Sherman McMasters, Turkey Creek Jack Johnson, and Texas Jack Vermillion. You got to get those guys in your posse. Yeah. Soon after, Wyatt's younger brother, Warren, came to town and he joined the posse. Another herb? There's another herb. There's like five of them. (laughs) (laughs) They're like the um, scars guards of the Old West. There's just so many of them. And every every month you're like, wait, who's that's another one? You see a movie. (laughs) Yeah. It's like Jake Skarsgard. (laughs) You're like, what? (laughs) Before setting out, Wyatt's posse waited for the marshal to provide them with money to pursue their mission. In January, there was an election for Tombstone Mayor. Now by this time, Earp ally John Clum, the mayor, had left town. And Tombstone's new mayor, John Carr, was elected in a landslide. Carr was the choice of the cowboys and the ranchers. Mm -mm. The people of Tombstone had had it with the Earps, officially. Ooh. They were falling out of fashion. Yeah. People were like, we're kind of over you guys. You're too uptight. It's the Wild West. It's the... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're over it. Yeah. On January 17th, 1882, Doc Holliday and Wyatt got into it with the cowboy Johnny Ringo. No one was hurt, but the three of them were arrested. Hmm. Wyatt was immediately, immediately let go because he was now a U.S. deputy marshal. So we got that little privilege, law he, enforcement privilege. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, he got that <laughs> privilege. Holliday and Ringo were released and ordered to pay fines. 
Less than a week later, Wyatt and his posse left Tombstone on horses with warrants for Ike Clanton and his older brother, Finn. There's another Clanton. Finn. Spelled P-H-I-N. Oh, so Phineas, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And Ike Clanton and Finn were hanging out with their buddy Pony Deal. So Wyatt and the posse, they're looking for these guys because they think they're responsible. These are the guys who shot who shot their brother Virgil. The posse proceeded to do an invasive investigation of random houses in the nearby town of Charleston, where they had suspected the men to be. And the residents of this town were pissed because they were just like, there was no thought into this. They were just like pulling over random people on their horses. Like, hello, ma'am, do you know where Ike Clanton is? And just like searching people's homes. So damn herps are back. (laughs) (laughs) For your Bertha? (laughs) (laughs) They were pissed. They're like, get out of here. Seriously. Leave us alone. Sheriff Behan was telegraphed by one of the Charleston residents who referred to the Earp, Earps and his posse as, quote, the filth of tombstone. It's the filth of tombstone. <laughs> that's, how, that's how mad they were. They're like, get this trash from tombstone out of our town. Seriously, what nerve. It was so much nerve. About a week later, the Clanton brothers turned themselves in. Now, they thought they were... In trouble for like a robbery. Oh, they like it could be anything. They were, they were, (laughs) they were shocked to learn that they were being charged with attempted murder. I mean, they're like, wait a minute, we were just turning ourselves in for the robbery we did. We thought it was just for shoplifting. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was for pig poking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck is that? (laughs) Could be anything. They were honestly shocked uh, when they turned themselves in. The Earps were on thin ice after their botched investigation into the Clanton brothers. So before they could be fired, and they were about to be, they wrote a letter to Marshall Dake and said, okay, fine, we'll resign. But Marshall Dake was like, I actually don't want you guys to resign. Like, they may hate you in Tombstone, but I need you guys. I I want you guys. He didn't care if they were unpopular. He was like, you're staying on the job. Wyatt then tried to call a truce with Ike Clanton, but Ike was like, fuck you. I hate you. Yeah, never. Instead, he turned around and tried to get the court to prosecute the Earps and Holiday again for murdering his brothers in the shootout. But soon after, that case was dismissed again, the judge ruling that no new evidence had come to light. I mean, Ike does have some nerve. Because he basically goes the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, as we discussed last episode. He's so, he was so drunk he doesn't remember. He does not even remember. The threat of the cowboys against the Earps was bigger than ever. And soon, violence would erupt again. On the night of March 18th, Morgan Earp was at Campbell and Hatch's saloon with his buddy and fellow posse member Dan Tipton. Wyatt was also there with Sherman McMaster's. Morgan was playing pool near the back of the saloon. The back door of the saloon had these large panes of glass on it. While he was playing, gunfire came from outside, blasting through the glass panes of the back door, and a bullet went into Morgan's side. The bullet went straight through him and hit another guy in the thigh. What'd I do? (laughs) 
playing cards, this he, poor he's guy. He's so innocent. He's minding his fucking business. He's not, a, he doesn't want, he doesn't want any smoke. He's just sitting there. Exactly. Um, the bullet wound that went into Morgan proved to be fatal. Oh, no. Yeah. And he was dead within 40 minutes. He bled out probably. Yeah. A woman named Marietta Spencer came forward and testified that her husband, Pete Spencer, along with his boys, Frank Stilwell, Frank Frederick Bode, and others were involved. She's like, I'm done with that bitch. <laughs> she, she turned her husband in. She must have hated her husband. She's been waiting for this moment. <laughs> She's like, Frank did it. It was Frank. It was my husband, Frank, and his buddies. I hate his fucking friends, too. Yeah. They did it. They literally have ruined my fucking life. (laughs) (laughs) Wyatt immediately assembled a posse to avenge Morgan's death. Mm. Virgil was getting out of town at this point. He's like, I'm done with fucking Tombstone. Yeah. His arm is fucked up. He got that bullet in his calf. Yeah. He's over it. So he left town with his wife, Allie. They were planning on going to Colton, California in San Bernardino to go to the Earp family home. Wyatt got a tip that the Cowboys had learned of Virgil's train trip and were planning on killing him at a depot along the way. I feel like you gotta, if they're leaving, you gotta just let them go. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not your problem anymore. No, they, just they, let them go. You won. He's getting yeah, out of town. Exactly. Also, Virgil was like the least annoying of all the Earp boys. Seems like it. Um... The posse then decided to ride the train with Virgil to Tucson, where lo and behold, suspected assassin Frank Stilwell was waiting. <sighs> Ike Clanton was also in Tucson, too. Whoa. He was with Stilwell, but before the posse arrived, they split up. And, and Ike hit again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know where Ike went. And Frank Stilwell wound up dead <gasps> at this depot. Whoops. So the posse arrived at the depot that evening and they had dinner across the street before Virgil and his wife scheduled departure at 7.15 p.m. After dinner, Wyatt found Stillwell hanging by the tracks of the train. He was like on the tracks of the stop train at the depot looking into the windows looking for the herbs. <laughs> Real suspicious like. <laughs> He's like on his tippy toes yeah. looking for the boys. When Wyatt like ambushed him. Oh. He began chasing Frank Stillwell until he eventually caught up with him and shot him. Oh. According to Wyatt, before he killed him, Stillwell admitted to murdering his brother and that three other men were also involved in this shooting of Morgan Earp. Curly Bill Brocious, Johnny Ringo, and Hank Swilling. Oh. It just so, happens to be some people he wants dead anyhow. Yeah. Now, it is... <laughs> It is heavily debated whether or not this guy had time to make this kind of confession before Wyatt shot him in the fucking face or wherever and he shot him. And one more thing before I die, he I'm going to turn his- in my buds. <laughs> yeah. Like, why? Yeah, I, I honestly don't buy it. It feels like these last of the cowboys that Wyatt wants to pick off. Yeah. To be honest. Anyway, Wyatt and the posse left Tucson and went back to Tombstone Frank Stillwell's body was found the next day. While Wyatt was preparing his posse to hunt down the rest of Morgan's killers, a coroner's inquest was taking place in Tucson for the murder of Frank Stillwell. Wyatt and his posse were found responsible, and they had warrants out for their arrest. They're like, you can't just kill this guy. Even if he's trying to kill them? 
No, he was just standing there on the oh, train tracks. That's true. And they're like, we don't know who this guy is. <laughs> that's true. Because um, it was clearly like a vigilante thing. Yes. Even though he was deputized? Yeah, I guess. The people, okay. the people in Tucson didn't like oh, it. Yeah, they were like, we didn't deputize you. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't like it. So Wyatt and his whole posse has warrants out now. I like how they're like, me, Wyatt Earp from Tombstone? Like, you don't know me? <laughs> you haven't heard of us? <laughs> We're chasing the cowboys. This is what we do. Yeah. This is what we do. So when a telegram was sent to Johnny Behan to inform him of these warrants, the guy working in the telegraph office withheld the note because he was a friend of Ur- the Earps. So oh. Johnny Behan was not informed right away that there was a warrant out for their arrest. But eventually the office manager did give the note to Behan. And Wyatt and his posse were still in town at this point. So Behan went down to the Cosmopolitan Hotel to find Wyatt and be like, yo, there's warrants out for your arrest. But what happened? Yeah. What are you guys doing? But Wyatt was really dismissive to Behan. He was like, I'm not going to listen to you. Yeah. Go talk. I'm going to go talk to Bob Paul. Like I'll talk to, I'll answer to him, the the other sheriff, but I'm out of here. So Wyatt and his posse, they got on their horses and they just left. And Behan was pissed because he was really embarrassed that like this happened publicly where Wyatt was like, I'm not getting arrested by you. That's what I would say. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Um, Behan was humiliated, and so he assembled his own posse Uh to track down Wyatt and the boys. Among his posse was the Cowboys, Johnny Ringo, and Finn Clanton. And these two men, the two men who were believed to have been involved in Morgan's murder. So Sounds like a volatile collection. It's a volatile (laughs) situation. So this sheriff has has assembled the posse with two of the suspects. Hmm. Posse on posse. Posse on posse crime. We're going to take a quick break there and we'll be right back. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've had a really stressful year with work and family stuff, and I know I'm not alone when I say I tend to push that stress down in order to get what I need done, done, and that only makes things worse. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. In the past, therapy has helped me navigate many situations from helping me to set boundaries to just becoming the best version of myself. If you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I love that it's entirely online, so it's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, 
and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash HCS today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash HCS. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money, and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. The next day, Wyatt and his posse arrived in the Dragoon Mountains to a woodcutting operation helmed by their suspected assailant, Pete Spencer. So they found one of these guys. Yeah. The workers there told Wyatt that Spencer had just gone to Tombstone. While in Tombstone, Spencer learned that Wyatt was looking for him, and Johnny Behan let him hide out under protection at the jail. Because he mm-hmm. went to Tombstone, he's like, Wyatt's looking... For, Johnny Behan was like, Wyatt's going to kill you. Yeah. I'll hide you. So the posse set out to find another of the suspected men, a man named Florentino Cruz. He was found not far from the camp and shot to death with multiple firearms by Wyatt and his posses. <gasps> so they just like... This guy was like hanging out, like working, and yeah. like four guys shot him at the same time. They're just killing cowboys or anyone associated with them. Literally out for blood. They're so mad. Like Frank Stilwell, Wyatt would later claim that Cruz confessed to being involved in the plot to murder Morgan before he died. So this is another guy that allegedly was like, okay, I did it. And here's who else did it too. Yeah. Very convenient. Super convenient. He was apparently a lookout while Frank Stilwell, Hank Swilling, and Curly Bill Brocious fired the shots. The other men, Johnny Ringo, Pete Spencer, Frederick Bode, and Ike Clanton, were said to have helped organize the murder of Morgan. Meanwhile, Johnny Behan was deputizing more men for his posse. He even deputized Curly Bill Brocious. Oh. But their efforts to locate Wyatt and his men were still unsuccessful. By this time, it was clear that Wyatt Earp would not stop killing until all of his brother's killers were dead. Yeah. It was Friday, March 24th, when Wyatt and his posse made their way to some springs near the Whetstone Mountains. At the site, they were ambushed by a group of cowboys led by Curly Bill. That's when the shooting began. As soon as Wyatt saw Curly Bill, he fired his shotgun right through his chest. Oh my gosh. 
Wyatt's men ran and hid mm. <laughs> while the shooting is happening. <laughs> I don't know why, but they were they must have been tired or something. Well, you don't want to get us take a stray. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, I don't want to do this shooting here. I changed my mind. Yeah, just because that's his favorite brother. Doesn't mean we have to die. <laughs> yeah. As soon as Wyatt saw Curly Bill, um, oh yeah, I already said that. He fired a shotgun in his chest. So Wyatt's men ran and hid and the cowboys continued firing, mostly at Wyatt, who was desperately trying to get on his horse. To like get away. Yeah. But his gun belt had slipped around his thighs. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa." Yeah, so it's holding his thighs together as he's trying to like mount himself on his horse. Oh my God. And the cowboys were like laughing. Yeah. Okay, we got to stop shooting because this is too fucking funny. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah, I bet that's what happened. They stopped shooting for a minute to laugh at him. You gotta. I mean, that's too funny. I mean, he was really struggling and eventually... I don't know how, but he managed to like get himself up on his horse and ride away. With just one bullet hole in his 10-gallon hat. Yeah. <laughs> it was still smoking. It was still smoking <laughs> as he's riding away. The next day, Tombstone had heard about the shootout at the Springs. First, people were saying that four members of Wyatt's posse had been killed. There was a lot of back and forth about whether or not Curly Bill Brocious had been killed. Some were saying he wasn't even at the Springs that day. It was like a lot of plain telegraph. Telephone. (laughs) Sorry. It had to be appropriate. Telegraph back in those days. It was telegraph. Yeah. Yeah. They were... Wait, I think the phone was invented. Well, but it's funnier. Please don't email me. I was trying (laughs) to be cute. Yeah, someone's like, wow, they're so dumb. They don't even know the telephone was invented. (laughs) (laughs) I follow these girls for their historical acumen. (laughs) Um, So there's all this back and forth in the town of like, wait, there was a shootout? Who got killed? All of Wyatt's men? Curly Curly Bill Brocious got killed? Um, No, he wasn't there. He wasn't even there that day. So there's like all this gossip. Yeah. The two local papers even offered up rewards for proof of Curly Bill Brocious's life. Curly Bill was never seen or heard from again, but apparently there's an ongoing debate about whether or not he met his end that day at the Springs. I'm surprised more people aren't like, wait, what happened with the belt? <laughs> <laughs> wait, I is wanna- that accurate? Because I think it- <laughs> We need some eyewitness testimony of what that looked like. Why isn't there more stringent research into the like really funny details of these cases? Seriously. Like I just love thinking of myself back in those days like, is he dead? I mean like, wait, okay, but what what back happened? Up, back back up. Up. Did you say the belt went around his side? And he and a man's life is might be gone. I know. But, but what about that thing? Because that's pretty funny. <laughs> you gotta admit it. So following this shootout, Wyatt and his men looked for an opportunity to retrieve a loan from one of their backers in Tombstone, because they still had some allies who had money, Yeah, and they need money for supplies and like horses and food and shit. Yeah. One of their horses was killed during the shootout, (gasps) sadly. I know. But cowboys were everywhere looking for the posse, so they decided to head northeast, 50 miles outside of Tombstone to the Sulphur Springs Valley to seek help from their wealthy friend, Henry Clay Hooker, who owned and operated a very large cattle ranch. Hooker was very anti-cowboy, and 
anyone who might attack him and steal his cattle. So he didn't like any of those people. Like anyone who was like a cattle rustler or a cowboy or cowboy adjacent, he was like very against. And he was good friends with Wyatt and Mm. Wyatt needed his help now. So they ride 50 miles northeast up, up to his place. Henry Clay Hooker had this huge house. It was built like a fortress. So this was like a really good place for them to hide out. Wyatt debated if he should just leave town, go to Mexico or New Mexico and out of Behan's jurisdiction. But Wyatt's ego wouldn't allow it. He wasn't about to be run out of town by Behan and the Cowboys. Yeah. The only thing left to do was to have a showdown. Mm. Hooker said that they could have their fight on the grounds of the ranch, but Wyatt instead opted to post up with his men three miles away up on this hill. I don't know why. He's like, I don't want to I don't want to oh. shoot people in. Your range is so pretty. Yeah. You've got all that new stained glass. You, got, <laughs> <laughs> you just put the flagstone in yeah. in the driveway. Yeah. Please. We'll have it up on the hill. That's the least we can do. You've given us so much hardtack and coffee. Yeah. And like uh stringy meat. <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> Back in Tombstone, Johnny Behan caught word that Wyatt and his posse had traveled northeast to Hooker's Ranch. On Monday the 27th, he gathered his boys to track them down. They arrived at the ranch the following morning and asked Hooker where Wyatt and his boys were. Hooker was like, I don't know. And Behan was pissed because he's like, I don't believe you. Yeah. They're here. Mm Mm-mm. Hooker... (laughs) (laughs) This might be the most sound effect show we've ever done. Like, series of shows. (laughs) So B.N. was like, God damn it, Hooker. I know these guys are here. And Hooker was like, let me me make you boys some breakfast. (laughs) So he made breakfast for B.N. and all his posse. I like that they were like furious. Where are they? And they're like, well, okay, we do. A man's got to eat. <laughs> <laughs> like, what kind of conversation did they even have at this breakfast table? They all like sat down and had a big meal. Love it. Um, this is like a scene I always enjoy in a movie, mm, you know, where they're like, let's have some food. And then they immediately like kill each other, start trying to kill each other afterwards yeah. or something. Because everyone's like, you need to eat something first. Yeah, it's a gentleman's meal. So after they finished eating breakfast, Behan was like, please just tell me where Wyatt and the guys are. And Hooker was like, I think you guys should get the fuck off my property. How about that? Wow. Breakfast is done. Yes. Get out of here. Wyatt watched as Behan and his men rode off. They traveled to Fort Grant where Behan unsuccessfully tried to hire more men for his crew. The following day, Behan and his men returned to the ranch, where this time Hooker informed him that Wyatt and his posse were up on the hill, but that if they went up there, they'd surely lose the fight against Wyatt and his men. Yeah. So he, like, scared Johnny Behan. He's like, if you can go up there on that hill where they are, find them. Yeah. But you're going to be outnumbered and, like, outgunned by them. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Right? Because they're coming up the hill. Yeah, just to and be shot, pick you off. What are they doing up there? They're camping. They're just like hanging out, okay. waiting to, waiting for a fight on the hill. I 
I was like, I reread this section over and over again. I'm like, I don't understand why they didn't just hang out in the house, but I think Wyatt thought this was like a good strategy. Yeah. I don't know what people were thinking back then. It's like a battle strategy because you want to be higher up, right? Yeah. They wanted like a view of them. So Johnny Behan and his men feebly looked for Wyatt at the base of the hill, but gave <laughs> They didn't want to climb the hill. I'm not going to walk up that hill. (laughs) This is this was like honestly relatable to me. Where they like get they like hike out there because it's like three miles away, and they get to the hill and they're like, I don't want to. It's like the sun coming down. It's dusty. Yeah, their fucking hamstrings are tight. (laughs) (laughs) They're like one of BN's guys is like Johnny. We got like a 12 hour ride back to Tombstone. Yeah. This I'm not is- going to go fucking hike. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when someone wants you to hike, you're like, what is it exactly? Like, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> they gave up and went back to Tombstone. Following the unsuccessful attempt to capture Wyatt and his men, the Nugget lauded Behan's efforts to track down the fugitives. Even though he didn't get them, he, hmm. they were like, he did a very good job. A, a good, for effort. Good effort. <laughs> and they scolded Hooker for helping protect Wyatt and his posse. Mm. Soon after, the epitaph printed an anonymous letter believed to have been penned by Doc Holliday, defending Hooker and claiming that he only supplied them with food and drink. The letter then went on to dunk on Johnny Behan and his men for not having the balls to confront him. He's like, we watched Johnny Behan, the bottom of the hill. (laughs) They wouldn't even go up the hill. They were too tired. (laughs) Uh, He got him. That's got to feel great. Yeah. I do you picture them like looking down like, through a not even behind like a they're little fucking up. tumbleweed, like hiding. <laughs> Wyatt and his men were given one thousand dollars from their allies in Tombstone, as well as an additional one thousand dollars from Wells Fargo oh. to help fund their journey. Wells Fargo was happy to pay the men who had killed Frank Stilwell and Curly Bill. They were both stagecoach robbers. Right. Wells Fargo was like out for blood back then. Yeah. They were like a bloodthirsty company. Mm, not like now. No. <laughs> Obviously they don't exist anymore. Wait, just is bank. Wells Fargo gone? I can't remember. It's just the bank. Don't they all merge into yeah. like one huge bank? Remember Washington Mutual? Oh, yeah. I just actually was cleaning out my garage and saw some like old Washington Mutual <laughs> some deposit merch. slips. Yeah. <laughs> I had completely forgotten. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was my bank. Yeah, Washington Mutual. And I was like, Chase. That's right. It switched to Chase. You didn't even have to do anything. No, I didn't have to do anything, but it was alarming for me. Yeah. Well. Sorry. I think that's what happened to Wells Fargo, too. I think but maybe still that around. still exists. Okay. Look, we're thinking the the stagecoach. That's not around right. anymore. People don't travel by stagecoach. No, coach. but I think I do recall seeing their ATMs because mm. it has the wagon. Yeah, the stagecoach, and like the it's like red and gold. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, around this time, Frank Stillwell's brother Jack had assembled a crew that included Johnny Ringo and Ike Clanton. By the middle of April, Wyatt and his posse had traveled to New Mexico and then to Colorado. The posse split up, with Doc traveling to Denver to gamble, and Wyatt and Warren Earp traveling to Gunnison, Colorado, and the rest of the posse heading back to New Mexico. 
For a while, Wyatt ran a faro game in Gunnison. Law enforcement back in Arizona was still looking to enact justice on the band of fugitives, and in May, Doc Holliday was arrested in Denver. There was an extradition attempt to get him back to Arizona, but by this time, Wyatt's buddy, Bat Masterson, had been recently elected marshal in Trinidad, Colorado, and he helped convince the Colorado governor not to extradite Doc Holliday. Mm. Eventually, Holliday was released from custody in Denver. The attempts to get Wyatt back into Arizona basically stopped after that. People just gave up, especially because that same month, Tombstone had bigger fish to fry. The town was hit with another fire, this time even more devastating than the one that had occurred the previous summer. So they're like, we don't have time to search for Wyatt. Like, they're gone. We're literally burning. We're burning. Yeah. Wyatt still had hopes of potentially returning to Tombstone. Like, he was still determined to make it big there. Mm. This is, like, very um, delusion. Yeah. It's like, you're, you're done there. Just move on. Go, go to, to an, Deadwood. Go to Deadwood. <laughs> go to uh, Reno. I don't know. Go somewhere else. There's lots of places in like the West yeah. that you can go. But that dream was just not going to materialize for him. He still wanted to unseat Behan as a sheriff. <laughs> he still thought he could do it. He still had a little oh bit God. of hope. This is delusion, mama. yeah. yeah. So he never went back to Tombstone when he finally realized that would never happen. I mean, right call. Good call. In November of nine, um, sorry, in November of 1882, Johnny Behan was unseated, but <gasps> not by Wyatt. He was probably furious. He Wyatt. Was, <laughs> God damn it. You could, I could have done it. I could have done it. Yeah, it was by a Republican. <gasps> this guy named Jerome Ward. He was elected the new sheriff. In fact, Johnny Behan was first, like, didn't even win, like, his primary. Oh. Like, he didn't even make it past the first round. Right. I don't know how those elections worked for they, sheriff they back then. They sound shady. But you know what? He was unseated. Mm. On July 14th, 1882, Johnny Ringo's body was found <gasps> in a remote canyon. He had a bullet wound to the head and a gun in his hand. His death would be ruled a suicide, but many suspected that this was murder. The suspects included Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp. Wyatt, of course, would later take credit for murdering Johnny Ringo. Yeah. In 1887, Ike Clanton was shot and killed by an officer during a cattle robbery arrest. His brother Finn, who was also a suspect, was sent to prison for 10 years. In May of 1885... Wyatt and his now wife, Josephine Marcus, ran into Doc Holliday for the first time in years at a Denver hotel. They apparently had like a falling out between their, when they split up in Colorado and 1885. So they're like, Doc, yeah, Wyatt, nice to see you. I honestly, I got chills because I think that's how it went down. Yeah. Doc, Wyatt. Good to see you. Good to see you. Oh, Josephine. (laughs) The author of the book said that it's entirely possible that they got into a fight over Josephine because Doc said something mean about her because she was Jewish. Oh. 
So I don't know if there's like something in Doc's biography that suggests that. Yeah. But I'd be very interested to find out. Right. Um, Because like Josephine was like one of like three Jewish people in the West at this time in America. (laughs) There's like no... There's like OG Jewish Western people. (laughs) She really was. Um, So they run into each other for the first time in three years at this Denver hotel. And Holiday was looking rough. Yeah. Between the tuberculosis and the alcoholism, he was not doing good. No, it's a bad combo. We saw how he looked in Tombstone when he was played by Val Kilmer. Real pale. And hot. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I don't know why I'm attracted to Doc Holliday. I'm so attracted to him in the movie Tombstone. He's, there's something about him. Yeah. He's got like a cool vibe. He's also not a cop. Even though, he, Doc even though he hangs out with cops, he's not a cop. No, he's a doc. He's a doc. <laughs> he's a failed dentist. And failed a, dentist is hot. And a degenerate gambler. Because he probably was like failed because he got addicted to like the painkillers or something. <laughs> I think I could be the Jewish girl that would change his mind. Yeah. That's goals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So they talked for a little bit, and when Wyatt said goodbye to Holiday that day, it would be the last that he would ever see him. Holiday died two years later in 1887 at the age of 36. Damn. Of what? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> now, Warren Earp, the youngest of the Earp brothers, right? this guy was a real shit stirrer. Oh, boy. He embarked on a life of crime and fighting. This guy was like, loved to fight. Yeah. He made the papers for killing a guy in San Bernardino, but he wasn't arrested because he claimed self-defense. Then there were some reports of him getting into fights with guys for the next several years. Like, just periodically, there'd be, like, something in the paper, like, Warren Earp arrested again. Right. Fighting in a bar. Yeah. He traveled to Yuma, Arizona, eventually... Though he would never be arrested for the now 11-year-old fugitive murder charges from Tombstone. So he went back to Arizona. Right. And he was never... They were like, eh. We're not falling up on that. That was was 11 years ago. They didn't have great files. They like just got indoor plumbing or something. I don't know. Something happened and they're like, "This, this is more important. Yeah. He was... Then arrested later, though, in Yuma for a different charge for assaulting a guy. Once again, so fucking Warren. Warren, he, he, got in, he got in more trouble. He was released, though, when it was determined that the assault occurred on a bridge that spanned Arizona and California. Pretty smart. So they... <laughs> Thing. And so they couldn't determine which side of the bridge he assaulted the guy on. I'm like, my wheels are turning. <laughs> They're like, was it the California side or the Arizona side? Oh, well, guess we can't do nothing. <laughs> uh, all they did, like the authorities in Yuma were like, please just leave Yuma. Just like, we won't put you in jail. Just like, don't come back. That's like one of my favorite. It's not a genre I really watch a lot, but I love that movie 310 to Yuma. Have you seen it? No. It's really good. It stars Russell Crowe. Oh, you love Russell Crowe. We love Russell Crowe. It's great. So then in 1900, Warren was shot to death 
during an <gasps> argument with a man in Wilcox, Arizona. Who could have seen it coming? <laughs> at a saloon. So his fighting finally got the best of him. Yeah. Virgil Earp was living in San Francisco in 1882 when he was arrested for playing an illegal card game. Damn. He didn't face any serious consequences, though. He then worked a series of different jobs, including private detective, the manager of a burlesque theater, oh, and city marshal in Colton, California. In ni- Sorry, in 1898, Virgil discovered that he had a daughter from a previous marriage. Wow. This is like a, a daytime talk show moment. Yeah. Are like, you the father? <laughs> <laughs> Virgil? Yuri Broalicious Povich is here to see. <laughs> you are the father, Virgil. He was excited about this, though. He... He was like, he like had a relationship with this daughter. Nice. Like she was older. She was like, I think a young adult at the time. Right. So they, he was stoked. Virgil and his wife, Allie Earp. <laughs> sorry. Allie Earp? <laughs> if your name is Allie and you marry a guy named Earp, you're, I, you can't take his last name. No, because everyone's just going to be like, ooh, Allie Earp. Instead of Allie Oop, right? I mean, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like Irma Gerd, but yeah. <laughs> also, I'm like, it's kind of like someone back then was named Allie. That just seems like a newer name. <laughs> yeah, it does. It totally does. Um, I wonder if there's anyone still named Earp. Like it's the, such a weird last name. <laughs> like, it seems Western. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I think only because we've been conditioned to associate true. it with the West. But if you think about it, like, I've never heard of anyone else being named that. And what is that even, like, from? Like, what, is it a different, do I you think, know what I mean? Like, what is their national, like, I think they're, like, ethnicity? Irish. Irish? Or, yeah, maybe it's, like, some weird... They're, like, Irish and English. I don't know. Yeah, I mean... I forgot. It's a good guess. <laughs> I read it in the beginning of the book when we were doing the, like, early history of these guys. Right. And I forgot Yeah, where Who they knows? came from. They might have been, like, Mayflower people, so probably English. Yeah, maybe it's some weird Welsh word. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Erp. So Virgil and Allie, they moved around over the years, eventually settling in Goldfield, Nevada where Virgil was appointed deputy sheriff of Esmeralda County. But he caught pneumonia the following month, and he struggled with his health for the rest of his life. He died that same year, in October of 1905. Now, Wyatt's wife, Maddie, remember her? Oh. We haven't talked about her since the first episode. Wait, who's Josephine? Well, they got together later. Okay. So... This is back in... Back in the olden days. Back in Tombstone. Yeah. When everyone's like leaving, like Virgil's leaving Tombstone. Maddie also left around that time. She went to Colton, California, where she was like, I'm going to wait for you, Wyatt. Like, when you leave this place, we'll meet up soon. Yeah. Or whatever. But Wyatt was like busy. Yeah. He He never came. And... He also had a new woman, Josephine. Okay. So they got together that same year. He basically just ditched his common law wife, Maddie. Yeah, you go wait, Colton. 
<laughs> I'll wait for you forever, Wyatt. <laughs> to him, he's like, it's the perfect crime. Yeah. She's in Southern California. I'm in San Francisco. Yeah, she'll never know. She... <laughs> Maddie, unfortunately, descended into a life of alcoholism and drug addiction Mm. following her split from Wyatt. She died by suicide (gasps) at the age of 38. Her body was found surrounded by empty pill bottles and alcohol. She apparently told her friends shortly before she killed herself that Wyatt Earp ruined her life. Yeah. She was mad at him. Mm. I mean, he was a shitty husband. I mean, that's pretty rude. It's super rude. Yeah. Wyatt had moved to San Francisco to be with Josephine Marcus. They would get married and stay together for the rest of his life. They lived together in San Francisco for a time before moving to Idaho, where Wyatt ran his own saloon. He continued to try and strike it rich in mining, but he was unsuccessful. At this point, Wyatt was a public figure, but he didn't have the power or the wealth that he was still searching for. So he's like, he's like a... A reality star where he's like very well known, but he's not rich. Yeah. Which doesn't seem that fun. No. Honestly. No. Uh, He's still trying to make it. Like he hasn't like struck this sort of, this like powerful influential position in life that he wants. He ended up going to San Diego and then back to San Francisco in 1896. It was at this time that the San Francisco Examiner ran a profile on the famous Wyatt Earp and his adventures in Tombstone. It was told to the paper by Wyatt himself, and it was greatly exaggerated. So these adventures, he dictated, and they were like, it's kind of a jerk-off session. Yeah. It was like really sensational. The profile didn't garner him riches, but it did land him a gig as a referee for a boxing match. I swear to God, he's like a reality star. Yeah. This is the trajectory he's on. It's yeah. like, and the referee for this game is wider. Celebrity boxing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like the D-list celebrity. Totally. That does these events. But Wyatt was busted at this match for carrying a pistol. Ugh. He didn't go to jail, but he did have to pay a fine, and it was super embarrassing. Yeah. He was then accused of rigging the match, and he was basically run out of town. Wow. People were so mad that he, like, thought he rigged this boxing match. We read your profile and liked you, but now this. (laughs) (laughs) So a paper in New York City, the New York Herald, they ran it, like, a cartoon making fun of Wyatt. And here's a picture of it. This is really funny. You can describe this. Oh my goodness. He looks like Yosemite Sam and he's holding a bag of money and he's got like a knife. What is that under his nose? That's his mustache. No, there's a stick and he's holding a gun. Oh yeah. He's like has a knife in his mouth. Oh, that's a knife in his I mouth? I think so. I guess they're like saying he's a bandit. He's yeah, because he also has spurs on his boots. So they're kind of mocking the cowboy image, right? Yeah. And he's holding a pistol. To a woman. No, it's that's a boxer. Oh, that's a boxer. I thought, that's not a boob, oh, that's a muscle. <laughs> I thought it was a big boob. I was like, why is he shooting the woman? What'd she do? Is that Josephine? He's in between two boxers. I see. I didn't see the other side. And they're these real uh, turn of the century looking boxers too, because they're all like lean. 
I like how they have the names Tom and what does it say? Fitz. Fitz. (laughs) Those are the boxers. Yeah. I mean, he looks exactly like Yosemite Sam. He looks exactly like him. Because he looks kind of small and squat in the cartoon. And I don't know if he is. Yeah. He's very angry with that big mustache. And a big old hat. Yeah. Huge hat. It's the title of the cartoon set is called The Bad Man Referee. Not very creative. <laughs> he was like persona non grata in San Francisco. Yeah. And to make it worse, this this cartoon was in the New York Herald. So this was like he was a national joke. Yeah. People were pissed. After a few more moves, Wyatt and Josephine ended up in Los Angeles sometime around 1906. In 1911, Wyatt was arrested in L.A. for operating an illegal gambling game. The charges wound up being dropped, but still, it was embarrassing for the now 63-year-old. I like that he is still trying to live this Wild West life, but it's like modern times are happening. (laughs) It's like, sir. It's like the early film. I mean, it's like that stuff is starting to pop up a bit and he's still kind of like okay you get a posse together (laughs) (laughs) sir you're 63 yeah you're 63 and in 1911 63 is like 120 yeah go take a nap and we're not doing this anymore that's the olden days (laughs) it's it's the edwardian era you fool yes Soon after, Wyatt decided that he could get rich by writing a memoir like some of the other Wild West figures had done. But the ghostwriter that he teamed up with was barely a writer, and so no one wanted to buy their book. Oh, my God. Like, he didn't even hire a real writer. He just got some idiot. He got some guy. Mm. By the 1920s, Wyatt was rubbing elbows with Hollywood's Western movie stars, including Tom Mix and William S. Hart. He occasionally consulted on the films to add authenticity. William Hart included the character of Wyatt Earp in a very small role in his 1923 film Wild Bill Hickok. In 1927, an author named Walter Noble Burns... Walter Noble Burns... Sorry, I said... Chargle. Spickens coming. An author named Walter Noble Burns <laughs> published a book about Tombstone called Tombstone, an Iliad of the Southwest. Oh. The book was a hit, and Wyatt was furious because he was like, I wanted to write the book about Tombstone. Yeah. yeah. But this guy was actually a writer. Yeah. And people, I mean, he should have hooked up with this guy. He should have. Yeah. When Wyatt got a new ghostwriter, the ghostwriter couldn't write the memoir because Wyatt was so difficult to work with. Oh, my God. What an asshole. He said that Wyatt just wasn't very talkative and that when he would ask him questions about his life, he would like not give any details. He'd be like, and then we went here. Yeah, and that then happened. We, that, mm-hmm. <laughs> he just was not helpful at yeah. all. He wasn't given any tea. He wasn't in, like detailing things. Common straight man complaint. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Like he wouldn't um, paint a picture. No. It's like, okay, well, what did she look like? like I don't know. Like, she was pretty. Yeah. No. She was a, a handsome woman. She was a, very- <laughs> <laughs> she was a very handsome woman. <laughs> Wyatt died in January of 1929 at the age of 80. Damn. So he lived so long compared yeah. to the other ones. Yeah. I think he was like the last of the brothers. For sure, probably. Yeah, he was the last of the brothers to die. 
At this time, he was living in a small home with not much money to his name in Los Angeles. His wife, Josephine, was at his side when he died. Of course, it was after his death that Wyatt Earp went on to become the Wild West legend that he dreamed of, with countless depictions of himself across film, television, and literature. Some of the most famous films Wyatt has been featured in included 1946's My Darling Clementine, starring Henry Fonda as Wyatt, 1957's Gunfight at the OK Corral, starring Burt Lancaster as Wyatt, and obviously 1993's Tombstone with Kurt Russell as Wyatt. Now, how did he get so famous post-death from that book that the one guy wrote? Yeah, and also just Western movies were really popular. But they latched onto him in particular, it seems, right? Yeah, I think also this book that this auto or not auto, this biographer wrote, this tombstone, yeah, yeah, that Wyatt was pissed about. Um, It it definitely wasn't that like factual, and it really embellished a lot of things and made it probably beefed up Wyatt's persona. So they definitely beefed his image up in that book as well, even though he wasn't involved. And as we can see, even in movies like Tombstone, it's like, Wyatt Earp is portrayed as this very honorable sort of um, cool, cool man, like where he's just very, uh, he has a cool head and he's a very, he's very honorable and like someone you aspire to be like. Well, that's very typical of like heroes. You've, sometimes you'll find out they're like, oh, they were actually a piece of shit. Yeah. (laughs) But like also... Wyatt sort of considered became considered the central figure in the shootout of the OK Corral when in reality it was Virgil that was like right way more sort of he was the real central figure of that incident considering that he was the one who had like the most firearm experience and Wyatt was like just like he had been deputized by his brother and Virgil was actually like Injured. a deputy too he yeah, was like an, he was a sheriff. Yeah, sheriff. Or a marshal. Whatever, yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting who kind of takes off I as think a character. Maybe because Wyatt was hotter than Virgil. Also his name it's is cool. kind of cool. It's really cool. Although Virgil Earp is pretty cool too. But he does get a little he, infamy or fame. I mean, he gets played by Sam Elliott. I mean, that's pretty good. That's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. But yeah, that's really interesting. I, I love that he died in LA trying to like make it. Yeah. Just like every other person. Yeah. <laughs> like who moved there at that time. Yeah. And it was only in his death that he became like huge. Yeah. Which is crazy. Very crazy. Yeah. Anyway, that's Tombstone Part Four. We gotta do more Western. I love it. It's so funny. I'm so into these stories right now. Yeah, I mean, you've been living it for four weeks, yeah. at least. <laughs> I'm so ready for a break. <laughs> anyway, that's our show. We will be back soon for our mini episode mm-hmm. and the after show on Patreon, patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Bye. Bye.